This is Twa Teams, one street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, World Cup joy for United men old and new, and D hopeful as they head for the Highlands. Hello and welcome to this week's Twa Teams, one street. I'm Tom Duthie. Joining me this week as usual, Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And not as usual, Ewan Smith. Hi, everyone. I'm back. Temporarily. <laughs> Still on his probation. We'll decide if it's temporarily. Because <laughs> I was going to say today, is, we're in December now, it's the festive period, so it's only, it's only proper that we'll have some sort of biblical theme. It's not quite Christmas, but the story of the prodigal son who was welcomed back with open arms with his, by his father and to his, much to his brother's chagrin after he went away to make his own fortune and deserted the family. Well, neither bear or I are your father, Ewan. Where have you been, you traitor? Uh, so I think I spent the last eight months on loan to Dundee United and then my loan deal's expired, so I'm back. I'm told Dundee United tried to cancel the loan after a month. That was a couple of weeks, actually, but <laughs> I'll take a month. And talking of Dundee United and traitors, Harry Suter's excelling, the traitor. They finally, see, they finally mentioned in a commentary that he is from this part of the world. It's good to see they got there. What a story it is. Oh. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. And his value goes up every 15 minutes in every game. No wonder, in all seriousness. Well done to the lad. And what, what a performance when he played one game before the in a year, because he's cruciate ligament injury, before the start of the World Cup. And he is their star. He's their main man. Yeah, and, it's, you know, it's, he's been outstanding in, in, in the games, as you as you say, Tom. And, it, you know, it just, it just shows you, you should never, ever give up. You know, but even in the, the dark... I thought you were going to say it just shows you you should give boys like that a Scotland Cup when they're <laughs> well, 16. Well, there is a case. I'm sure people will look at that, but uh, that would have been a different story, wouldn't it? I mean, the, the fact that, you know, I remember seeing him out on loan at Ross County and things like that, and yeah. his, his career looked as though it was stumbling along and he gets a really bad injury and you wonder, is this lad... He always had potential and he always had... What I would suggest is the physique to go and play down south. There's well, no you, doubt about You know that. what, Bear? I saw him. Uh, I saw him in one of his few competitive games for United. It was a League Cup game at Arbroath mm -hmm. early on when the sections returned. And the, 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 actually, to contradict you a wee bit, the one question mark about him in terms of playing him in the first team there and then was he was the height he is now, but he wasn't the, quite the physique. He was very, very skinny. He was a skinny... 16, mm. 70 year old and that was the wee doubt you had about him not long term but in the now and as I often think I mean people say oh well you fill out a bit with age but how often do you see a young player go from Scotland to England and in a matter of months they've bulked up and mm -hmm. I'm I mean I've spoken to lots of guys that have gone down there because they'll look at them right away and say you're doing weights every afternoon for the next six months son and that's what that that's what does it. And he is he's still he's still a very young man, but I always think young players when they go on the pitch, it's a huge help if they look like a, a physically mature specimen. They're big, they're strong enough looking. They don't look out of place next to the men mm -hmm. in the team. And that's what he looks like now. He's a he, he he's bulked up. Yeah. And 
but he's not lost any of his ability. He's a good footballer as well as a really strong centre-half. Yeah, yeah, but you have to be like that down there, don't yeah. you? Because you're playing against strikers who oh, are six aye. foot plus and are built solidly as well. And that's that's a, a big, a noticeable difference between Scotland and England, uh, you and you, you see that, the, the size of the, the players that yeah. you're up against. I always so, say that so. to people. The one thing that would shock you, you, you look on TV and you see this line and there's one or two smaller guys. Mm -hmm. But you see this line of guys all roughly the same size and you think, oh, they're all they're all about six foot. I mean, for example, David Beckham always looked wee. And the one time I was up close to David Beckham after a Scotland-England international, he's probably slightly taller than me and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just half an inch under six foot. And I thought, God, I thought he was about 5'8", yeah. 5'9". Mm -hmm. But he's no, he's a tall lad and that's... And I've actually, I've been in games in Italy and been quite close to players there. For all we're going about their technical ability, the vast majority of players in the big five leagues in the world, which are all European, they're almost all big, big lads. Yeah, yeah. I, I would look at, I mean, looking at the, the championship, obviously from a Dundee perspective, the main striker in that championship at this point in time is Area United's Depot Akinyemi. Yeah. And you look at the size of him and, you know, he's really, he's, he's dominating games yeah. with his sheer physique. He is a good footballer and he can take a goal as well, don't get me wrong, but his physique makes him stand out like a, a sore thumb and we saw it, you know, last year when Joel Newbley was at Arbroath, the difference he makes to a team, the size he is, and, you know, yeah. it seems to be that, uh, Gordon Strachan said that, you know, we need to bring, to, to breed bigger and, and stronger footballers yeah. if we're going to progress in this country we've got good technical footballers but we're, we're doing well on the international stage but we do look when it comes to size and bulk you know we're, we're just not on a par with other, other nations see I, I don't know if i entirely agree with that what you've just said Bear, because the first example when you're talking it was screaming out to me is john mcginn john mcginn went down to england and completely bulked up exactly what you're talking about that is you're totally right to see the physique when you see them when you go down to the english premiership and you watch that and you look at the english premier league and you watch the players you see they are all built they're mm -hmm. all built and obviously harry suter's gone and done that you know so uh, but it's great. Do you know what I was thinking about the suitors? I, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to Angus because I love to bring things back to Angus. But uh, there was a great tweet um, yesterday by I think a view for the terrace, and it was about the Breaking Brothers doing it against the Danes. Because if if you remember, oh, just to jump remember in there, back, I would like to be fair to the suitor family. They're not it's from Breaking. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not entirely. No, they're not entirely from Breaking. I was going to point that out, but I mean they both it's did. North Dundee, as we call it. Yeah. Whereas the, the, the commentators, we've all done it, and you know, somebody that somebody that's not from your area, the commentators like he was born in Aberdeen. Ah, and, and by that afternoon he was back in Lawrence Kirk. Yeah. He was born in the hospital in yeah. Aberdeen, but he's a Lawrence Kirk boy. Everybody's claiming him as their own now. He must oh, be I doing know. well done. Yeah. I mean, Ewan's been telling us, Breaking are claiming him. <laughs> Bre Breaking, oh, Breaking are definitely claiming him. Um, in fact, actually, they had a World Cup uh, dinner, which I believe was very successful, in Carnoustie Golf Hotel. Um, they invited people on Friday to watch uh, the England game for it, and, and they managed to get a, a live video dial-in from Harry Souter from Qatar, which I think is terrific that he's taking time out of his day um, the day before that says a lot about up. the boy, doesn't it? It's a big, mm -hmm. it's a, listen, they're all, they're breaking, breaking uh, season ticket holders, the family's got shares in breaking, so there's definitely a, a link with breaking that's a bit stronger than you two are breaking out. It probably says a lot about the, the Australian mentality and, and their sort of coaching team and their managerial squad as well, that they, cause, because they'll have a media team as well who will be trying to keep the yeah. lid on everything that happens. Yeah. 
I'm sure it's gone through them. I'm, I'm sure he hasn't done yeah. it on his own. But he'll mm. have to ask them. And they went, ah, that's not going to be a problem. Because you can imagine other countries, if you went, if Scotland were out there and we try to get someone from one of the local players, how difficult it would be to get yeah. somebody to come on and, yeah. and, and give us something like I think that. they're it's very slick, point. actually. One, one thing that I thought was a really, really nice touch from um, Socceroos, and we, we highlighted it, but it wasn't just Harry Souter, was that every player in their uh, base, in their hotel, they had... They had their name on their door, but it also had their very first club. So they're from, so obviously he had Breakin, Breakin Boys Club he had on his, but but they all had it across it. And I think that's a really nice touch because it shows the journey that these players have gone from. And it also makes them remember their roots because you can never forget your roots when you're out there. Why not? <laughs> you'll never, grow, you'll never grow. I've spent my life trying to forget my roots. <laughs> and certainly the people back at my roots that I owe money to. Yeah, but I mean, there's another point. I mean, obviously, there's um, he's done fantastically well, but you've got BH as well, who's who's gone out there. History and, maker. Yeah, yeah. Great. Don't explain. Right, do you know, like, I, I'm probably in a fortunate position. I was probably one of the first people to speak to BH when he arrived in Scotland because uh, I was doing his first interview when he was unveiled by Dun United. Um, and I met him, and, he, and he's the exact opposite of what you're talking about with, with Harry Souter. He's Harry Suter's about six foot six. BH, I'm gonna guesstimate it's about five foot eight, five foot seven, five foot eight. He's t he's tiny, but he's a little terrier. He's an absolute warrior. I mean, I was I'll give you an example. Uh, in my last job, I won't refer back to it too often. Uh, just before the end of the Dun United Hibs game, I was I went down to the touchline for the last five minutes, and obviously Dun United were battling and scrapping for every tackle because they were winning one nil and they were trying to win the game. And BH was right on the touchline, right next to me. And he was like, he was like grabbing the ball back off of the hips player, and he was like wound up, and he was, he's, he's like a man possessed sometimes when he's out on the pitch. Um, he's got a great winning mentality, which I love about him. Um, yeah, you can argue sometimes he gets, he gets caught forward so much that sometimes defensively he needs to, you know, get back in position. But although he has done that in the World Cup, he's got back and he's made some blocks. But I think he's a terrific player to have on your side, and yeah, he's going to be the. The first ever done United player as I Tamil thought you weren't going to mention it. I thought you'd actually gone into got politics here the way you avoided the question. <laughs> you eventually. I'll let you mention it then. You no, can you talk tell, you tell. He'll be the first ever, I believe, if, if he plays, which I'm, I'm pretty sure he will play against Argentina, uh, he will be the first ever done United player to play in the knockout stages of the World Cup. That's amazing, Bear, isn't it? When you mm. think of Neri, Sturrock, Hegarty, Malpass. Yeah. Unfortunately, Tom, they, were, they were Scottish. Yes, <laughs> and that's not not unfortunately. It was un, you know just unfortunately we never ever managed to get through the group stages. You know, to I digress again, is that not a, is that not a reality check? And a lot of it's sort of we talk about privilege in a race sense, but in a football sense, there's a European privilege thing. We still look down our noses, even as far as America, who are perennial qualifiers mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. the next stage. We look down at the Americas, the African countries, Australia are like, I was like, that's great, Australia. Mm. But I'd forgotten, they did it 20 years ago. Yeah. We've yeah. never, we've had, what's it, seven World Cups mm -hmm. and never got out of the group. But we're still, and I'm just as guilty as anybody, we still think of these teams as, oh, they're just wee teams. Yeah. But they've found a way. Going back to Betch, though, the, and they mentioned this in commentary, and something that Alan Temple, who's someplace else today, my goodness, <laughs> along with George. Um, Alan said several times, Betch is actually a wing-back. And then this is maybe the benefit of United, because in his early games, when they played a back four, he definitely struggled a wee bit. Yeah. 
he has been outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the exception of the impossible task of running after Dembele in the French game, but there's no disrespect to Betts, there's world-class players having to be able to catch that laddie. He's played superb on the left at back four, and that's maybe where United benefit, because he's, he's getting games as a full-back, which isn't quite his natural position. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't being in any way derogatory when I uh, said he was a terrier. I, I meant a terrier from the sense that he snaps away at the heels, but he's got so much energy as well, boundless energy up and down the flanks. And if you actually look at his highlights reel before he arrived at Dun United, he scored some absolute yeah. belting goals. Um, and he scored a cracking goal for United. He is an attacking player. Yep. Now, obviously, as we saw that the brilliantly did against Denmark, thanks largely to Suter, Astelio have had to do a hell of a lot of defending. He's had to play as a, a lot of the times as an old style fullback that we remember that barely crosses the halfway mm -hmm. line for long periods, and he's done it really well. He had to clear himself the goal line in yeah. in, in, in their second game as well. So he's obviously doing doing his work at both ends. And then I think I saw in, the, in, in his game last night he was he was right at the byline when when it was only the strikers in the box, no midfielders. So he he's he's getting up and down that flank superbly well. And to be perfectly honest and to be blunt, there will be clubs looking at him right now. Um, because oh, he's, I mean, he's he's a highly experienced player. He must be on somewhere in the region of fifty-six caps for Australia. He's played at the highest level. He's been in, he's been in Dutch football. Um, he's played at the highest level. He's, he's won he's won the league in Turkey. Um, he's he's thirty-one. He's still got years in him. Um, he's got a two-year contract at Dundee United. They could make money off of of BH um, if anyone's watching. Um, a club could well, come in play. Course, we were going on about this. So they've made money. Of, of all the ones you won't, you wouldn't have thought, but they've made money off of mm. him because they'll make more money because he's in the last sixteen. Yeah. They get their payment from FIFA increases. Absolutely, and we touched on that with Jason Cummings as well. You know, Dundee are going of to make a, bit of, Dundee a bit of cash on that as well. So it's a win-win situation for for both city clubs. I still, I have to say, Dundee are very lucky. And I saw the report when he came on in the first yeah. game, and some Australian pundits said, "Well, we're reduced to ten men when Cummings came on." That was a bit brutal. That was that was a wee bit harsh. I mean, got, got to remember to get the ball the, the striker. Remember the opposition, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and it was you know, France. I did watch the game last night, uh, Argentina against Poland, and. You, Poland have one of the best strikers in the world playing for them, and he hardly got a Aye, kick of the he was, ball. He, he wasn't any more effective than Cummins was. was. Exactly. So was, I thought he, I yeah. thought he'd maybe fallen out with his teammates. who stayed that far away from Lewandowski <laughs> last night. Yeah. He looked like Johnny Namates <laughs> yeah. up front. He's like, boys, what have I done to you? There was something quite strange about that game. We're going off on, on a bit of a tangent here, but you know the Poland players actually celebrating at the end after I know. getting Aye. beat two nothing, playing, you know playing so poorly. He, he did as well, and it's not about respect there, but I was yeah. a wee bit surprised because he's one of the world's best players. Yeah. And and I th he must know deep down that's not because they were dreadful yeah. last night. But yeah. you know it was even more interesting that obviously they went through by virtue of a uh, goal difference mm -hmm. by one goal. But had uh, Saudi Arabia not scored that goal, they would have still gone through. But they would have gone through by, by uh, virtue of having one less yellow card. Yeah, yeah and that. could you that's imagine the celebrations then? I, oh, I yeah. actually have to correct you. I think it was two. I think the yeah, I think it was I, seven I, four. I, was it I was like seven that? five. Boy, boy oh, was was booked, yeah. okay. I was seven four, and then. One of the Australians, One got, the Australians booked. got booked, so, so they were going through. And it, it was like, oh, this is terrible. I have to say, what, I'd forgotten all about it, but somebody mentioned in an earlier game, last time Senegal, uh, Japan went through, instead of Senegal from the groups four years ago, on yellow cards. And to their credit, Senegal said, those are the rules. 
Yeah, we've got quite... more yellow cards with mm-hmm. no complaints. But can, can you, how? I mean, you talked about the celebrations after going through by virtually all. If they had gone through on yellow cards and they'd be celebrating, it'd be even worse, wouldn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was quite. It was Aye. actually quite embarrassing to watch. And um, well, did you see the clip to the B, the BBC dugout? The clip that there was like four minutes to go. Yeah, an injury yeah. time when the boy went behind the goal and said to the goalkeeper, who's excellent, but I can never pronounce his name. And one of the coaching staff, which obviously he's he's way to put the ball down to take the goal kick, see if they can get a goal back. And the, the boy went, tight, your time. And Polish. Yeah. And they were, uh, realized, yeah. they're 2 0 down and they're, they're wasting time. Yeah. 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 I mean, Danny Murphy, I think, said in commentary, I wonder if they're aware that this is a situation. I could guarantee you they were absolutely aware yeah. of what was going on in the scenario. Obviously, I was out with their hands what was going to happen in the Mexico Saudi game. As it turned out, Saudi Arabia went up the park and scored and scored the goal. But at that point in time, they would have known exactly what was going on. So, 2 0 gave them an opportunity to qualify as things stood. I'm sure. And And I've got, I mean, got as well as his time wasted in the last couple of minutes injury time. They had their goalie to thank for A, the penalty save from Messi, and B, the amount of saves he made. They could have got four or five last night. Quite easily, and Argentina had a couple of great chances at the end to get a third goal, and the fluffed their lines a wee bit, you know, when they were through on goal, which isn't like them. Um, but and then the last couple of minutes, Argentina, like experienced professionals do, Argentina kept the ball. Yeah, and said, "Well, well, that's if it. we don't lose a goal here, and, we've not got a last couple of minutes to worry." You know, about. They've, they've they've done their job, and they've they've passed around the opposition for fun. And the last thing you want to do is take pick up an injury with, with five minutes to go, and you lose one of your best players. Yeah, so. I know. I know. Ewan's a big fan. Incidentally, mentioned Argentina, but. I thought they came to the party last night. Obviously, I wasn't impressed when they lost their first game, their second game, they won, but I didn't think they were good. But last night, they looked a decent team. I, I, I think uh, I think they do, and they've got so many players, almost of the ilk of Messi, if you know what I mean. You know, I mean, uh, was, yeah. it, uh, was it Fernandez? Am I saying this right? Is yeah, it Fernandez, you know? and the wee boy. Yeah, Is and it Alvarez? Alvarez as well. You know, the, 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 way they, the way he scored last night, it's like Messi-esque, yeah. you know? Um, they've got. They've always created players like that, haven't they? They've always created players that are, that are very pleasing on the eye, very technically gifted, uh, can score from distance. I mean, I think I remember a, a goal at World Cup. Was it Maxi Rodriguez scored mm-hmm. an absolute belter yeah. a goal? They've always had players of that, and that's why it's just a characteristic, a trait of it's, Argentine football. I, I think if you watch a game and you could show it, Tom, I mean, it happens at different levels of football. One team is, is vastly superior than another team, but the other team sets themselves up in a manner that makes it very difficult to create space. But if you yeah. use that actual video of that game and watch how Argentina do it in the, in the play from side to side in the pick-out pockets, and they, they didn't stop, ah. they did it for about, you know, must be 75 minutes in that game. They, they kept going at it and kept going at it. They refused to put sort of needless balls and hopeful balls into the box. They tried to play in behind and get wee spin-offs and one-twos. And eventually, they got they got just a award. As you say, it could have been a lot more than it wasn't for the keeper, Chesney. Go on, but remembering what are they? United. We're in the United <laughs> section of our local. <laughs> it's, it's not our fault United haven't played for about a month now. But, um, and, and going back to Sue, I see... There's a set, I'm sure you knows if it's 15% or not. There is, a, they still got money if Stoke sell them. I, I, don't, I don't know for absolute certainty, but I mean, I do know that I do know one thing for certainty that um, Dundee United are very astute when a player moves on yeah. of, of putting these clauses into deals. They're still making money. I was told this, and this was public, I was told this, they're still making off money off of Stuart Armstrong um, for a sell-on clause for a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So, so they... I, it would not surprise me in the slightest if... If ever a player should have had a sell-on clause in the contract, it was Stuart Armstrong. You know, yeah. he, he was always destined 
not to, to well, move on to bigger things, but to move, to keep moving because he's that sort of life. I know Stuart as well. Stuart, Stuart's doubts about going to Celtic was he wanted to play in the mm -hmm. English Premier League. So it didn't surprise me that he, he, he gave his all to Celtic for the length of his contract and then moved on. So it was it, it was good business. But I mean, I mean, in the notes that you've expertly provided, I see they're, they're talking about a 20 million move now. I remember last summer, because what alerted me to it, his brother John was getting touted as a possible replacement at Stoke because Stoke were expecting to sell him. He got his cruciate injury, of course, and everyone's going to wait, especially with a young kid. Everyone's going to wait another year. They don't have. They might. Somebody might go in January. Uh, and honestly, if he cut, if he comes back, plays the second half of the season with Stoke, I think it will be a lot more than twenty million they'll be asking for now because I think he is. He, he's a he's a Champions League player. Yeah. And the making for me, Suter. Yeah, you've got to remember Which them. Which means you get loads of money. Yeah, you've got to remember the market value down down in yes. English football. It, it's exaggerated in comparison to other leagues, isn't it? So, so whilst he might be a twenty million pound player if he's playing in France or somewhere like that, comes over to England, then the, the money goes up at least another ten million pounds, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and and also, I mean, I don't know how well I, I've got a, a little bit of knowledge of how some of these uh, sell-on clauses work, but. Generally, it's over the amount that the club paid for them yes. when, he, when he moved down. Aye. Now, they paid buttons for him. They paid washers for him. So it's not Aye. as if they're going to be knocking off £10 million and you can only earn a 15% of whatever goes above the Aye, £10 million. Was he, was he not of that age when he went to Stoke that it works in your favour sometimes, but with a player like Suter, it works against you because there there is a form, formula that's extremely complicated. It relates to the level of the league he's going to. And... But usually it's hundreds of thousands of pounds. I don't know. I don't know if you're talking about two different things here. I think you're maybe thinking about training compensation, which they no, would, no. There is a you, you, there is a UEFA rule that, depending on the league, you, the, and as like if you're in a low, lowly ranked league, and a young player from your club signs for a one of the top leagues, you get more. The fact he signed for a Championship club in England. It would still be a good amount, but there is a UEFA formula for when mm. you use a young player, you get you get a certain amount. I remember going You're way back to, to get so much. I remember Craig Forsyth. It was something when he left Dundee. It was something like three hundred and seventy-six thousand four hundred eighty-three pounds and forty pence, <laughs> or something bizarre like that. Uh, the the only thing about that is often clubs the, the, I think was it Crystal Palace and Derby were both and I think did he go to Crystal Palace for so like what happens is you don't get that full amount because clubs down there there's a nod and a wink saying well we'll no bid more than 300,000 mm -hmm. for them so mm -hmm. so in the end you you take you take the money you don't get the full formula amount mm -hmm. but there there is an amount there but where like you say where it works in your favor is if you get a sell on clause for a boy that goes for quite a low amount yeah, well, you're, I mean, you're just, getting a fifteen percent of a lot of money. Chase, if he goes for twenty million, we're talking mul you know, nah, we're yeah, talking yeah. easily what seven figures. Yeah, 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 a lot of money. Yeah, which certainly not to be scoffed at. I think for me, 
you're talking Who's about... going to be Chancellor of yeah. the Exchequer? Um, yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. A not. lot of money. No, <laughs> Which was better than I could work out. I went to school at 15. I'm never going to be Chancellor of the Exchequer. Um, <laughs> that's what I meant. You could, yeah. well, none of us could do simple arithmetic. We might be Chancellor yeah. of the Exchequer. Yeah. That's the problem. Well, yeah. that job becomes available quite on a regular basis. It's so been a couple of weeks now, eh? I think it'll be interesting. We'll go, you know, when they, when they come back from the World Cup and hopefully the Australian party continues for as long as possible I think obviously you get to a point where you've got to be realistic and, and, and look at their resources and what they can do that's not to say they can't shock a few more teams or, or go and put a really good performance even, even in defeat if, if they are going to go out at some stage but when they come back and the transfer window opens in January it, it could depend on what's going on at the bottom of the you know the, the Premier League down yeah. in England Tom. if somebody is struggling and have got defensive problems one of the names has got to come up has got to be Harry Suter now, and, and then and also value, that's maybe these clubs yep. opportunity yep. the bigger yep. clubs are more likely to wait until the summer mm -hmm. then you're you're worried that again yep. a nod and a wink he might uh -huh. he might Hang turn on. down a move yeah. to two but though, you sort of think if you're one of the clubs in the bottom half of the mm -hmm. premiership your chance to get a Harry Suter it's January when yeah. you offer mm -hmm. 20, 25 million. You're in the in the boardroom with the chairman, but leading uh -huh. the centre half. His name's got to be in the list. Got mm -hmm. to be. Yeah. And the thing is, January, the January transfer window, when you're a buyer, generally isn't a good time to be buying players mm -hmm. because it's almost the desperate window, isn't it? Yeah. It's oh, almost yeah. the, or it's almost we've been poor at the start of the season and we desperately need to get resources in now. So you do pay well, off for the you odds say, in January. Because William Fox <laughs> said that he would like to bring in quite a few players here. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's just a good time to buy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes it is a good time to buy and strengthen your resources, like your solid foundations that you've already laid down and you want to build on for the second half of the season. Right. Uh, just to round off United's World Cup links, every silver lining has a cloud. Liam Fox must be a wee bit worried about what kind of Dylan, Dylan, <laughs> Dylan Levitt uh, he's going to get back because... It's been a bad World Cup for Wales, and unfortunately, Levitt, I don't think he got no. a kick of the ball, did he? You know, he's going to get a fresh Dylan Levitt back. He's going to get well sure. rested and suntan. Yeah, disappointing for Wales that their campaign, they have struggled. I think I think Wales are finding now, you know, a guy called Gareth Bale has carried. They've got good players, but at the top end, of the partner for the world class player that's carried yeah. that team for a long time. And, and unfortunately for them. Ramsey and Allen, good yeah. international class yeah. players as well. Yeah. Allen through no fault of yeah. his own injured the other two the other two yeah. don't think, play often enough think, anymore I think for a lot of them now it's you know it is coming to the, the end of the Bale era which that happens to him yeah. you know and, and Will struggled and it's, it's hard to be critical the manager must you know they were disappointed I think their fans will all be disappointed with the performances that they put on and, and you, you tie they've, they've tried to sort of put it you know a, a, a brighter side to it by saying well we're qualified look at that it's first time in, in 50 odd years but to go there and and, and be so disappointing I think is, is there one lesson yeah. they should learn that when you've no qualified for a World Cup for 50 odd years 60 years whatever it was 64 I think yeah mm -hmm. don't get yeah. Too, don't get too carried away yeah. with your, which is a mistake Scotland made don't get carried away with your predictions about mm -hmm. what you can do because it's a big th mentally it's a big yeah. thing for it's yeah. like no other i mean it's the biggest sport whatever the olympics want to say the world cup is the biggest sporting event yeah on the planet and it's a challenge for anybody who's not been there before and if none of you have been there before yeah. it can go two ways and in terms of level i think he's going to come back he'll be he'll be affected by the fact that one he didn't play 
and maybe the disappointment won't affect him so much because he's not actually been part of the me. team. <laughs> yeah. So, but hopefully he'll be desperate, desperate to come back. He should be fit. He should be ready to go and and and, and prove that he, what he was doing. He, he was coming on to a game. I think mm -hmm. at, at the time, you know, just before before I think uh, Liam Fox, we had him and Liam Fox had, had a word with him and said, "Look, I'm being critical of you mm -hmm. because I, I, I set such high standards of you. Yeah. You're not you're not performing the way you should." And he got an instant reaction, which was brilliant from mm -hmm. Levitt. Mm -hmm. So, you think they're going to need him? Yeah. Big style, where they're sitting in this league at this point in time, they're going to need Dylan Levitt and a few more players to hit the ground running when, when the league actually starts again this month later on. And it's just occurred to me, a big, a good World Cup for Dylan Levitt could have seen a, an offer United couldn't turn down in January. So at least yeah. they're, they're going to have him, at least to the end of the season. And the way he was playing before the World Cup, which maybe Will should have been more aware of, he was playing with great energy and great quality. Mm -hmm. Hopefully he comes back. I mean, hopefully it's like for him now, he's, he's seen a change in the guard that wheels and he comes back saying, well, this is my chance now. We've got qualifiers. I think the Euro qualifiers start in March for Wales. He must be thinking, this is my chance to stake a claim for a regular place from then on. Well, I mean, you spoke earlier about his reaction and what Liam Fox said, and I think a lot of people maybe understood what Liam Fox was trying to do there. I think people... Uh, were awful defensive about Dylan Levitt and what he'd done in the past. But what Dylan, what Liam Fox was doing there was saying his bar is much higher than a lot of players' bar. So yeah, I want exactly. him to reach his bar. I don't, I don't just want him a to reach... A bad game for D Dylan Levitt. It's an average game for a lot of other players. Yeah, absolutely. And he left him out of the, the game at Celtic Park and then I think he came on and uh, played laterally in that. And then he showed a real reaction in that game. And obviously I think he got a goal as well in that game, you know. So he showed a real reaction from there. Dylan Levitt last season from January onwards was absolutely outstanding. Um, I was at the Kamarnock game when he got his first goal for them down at Rugby Park. And... It just kicked on from there. And and if if Dundee United can find a way to to release Dylan Levitt so he can play just slightly further forward than he has been playing, um, then I think they've got a real player in their hands. I mean, he's, he's a rear pass and he's up there with any player in Scottish football. Um, he can ping a pass, he can find a ball, he, he keeps the ball very well, but also his ability to score from outside the box. Uh, we, we actually had a, a stats guy in because we're, we're about to, to use a new company for our, our, our statistics. So, um, and he did a demonstration on the computer screen last week and he used Dylan Levitt as an example and, it, and just clicked and it showed the amount of shots that he's taken from outside the penalty box. Nearly every shot that Dylan Levitt's attempted is from, from being outside the penalty box. So he's going to score a lot more perlers for Dun United. Um, and go back to my earlier point, the way he reacted to being dropped, essentially, out of the, the starting lineup um, in a positive manner shows that he will probably come back with that same level of reaction from the fact that he didn't play at the World Cup. He's been at the World Cup, he's still very, very young, let's not forget that. I mean, I think he's 21, 22. I mean, he's still very, very young. He's experienced for, yeah, for a player. I think mean, he's got he's got 12, 12 caps for Wales already at that age. Um, you've got to imagine that they're going to have to completely refresh and look you know at what, what they're doing. You know what, he's such a prospect. I would have chucked him on at 3-0 in the England game, just so you can say, well, I'll give you a wee yep. bit of time, give you a wee bit of flavour of it, because mm -hmm. he, he is one of the ones who's the future of Wales. Yeah, not to the future. They need that. They absolutely need that, don't they? They need, yeah. they need players at his yeah, level to, definitely. to do it. That'll be a disappointment for him. He's gone out there and not, and not play, but hopefully... Rob Page has had a word with the guys. He'll not be the only one who didn't didn't get a game. Hopefully, Rob Page has had a word with them all and said, "Look, you didn't get you didn't get the start this time, but you were good enough to be part of this squad going forward. 
you do well at your club, you're going to be starting more games for Wales and, and your chance will come, sort of thing, you know. To, to, before we move on to some housekeeping, because time's rolling on, just a final thought. Is he a victim of Ramsey? Because I thought Ramsey was, he was the one that was way, way off mm. the pace yeah. for me. But Levitt's a similar area of the park, and I totally understand the manager had to keep Ramsey and Bale happy because in terms of ability, they were the two that might do something. And you saw Bale, after a quiet game, won the penalty cleverly. It was a definite penalty in the first game against America. And he, it was maybe a case of, well, if I'm going to take... If I'm, Mm-hmm. If you're going on, it's for Ramsey, and that ain't happening. So mm. I'm not having him go. I don't. I don't know what Ramsey's like, but, but the managers maybe think I'm I mean, not having him going. We got a glimpse though. of Ramsey at Rangers, mm-hmm. you know, and it was he, coming. He, he, you could see that there was something not quite right. He wasn't the Aaron Ramsey that, that we'd known from. To be honest, we're going back quite a few years now, you know. But uh, you, you saw saw flashes of brilliance, but. Not sort of the, the consistency that you're needed no, to play at that no. sort of level. He did, and, and, he did clever things that and, showed his quality. And that continued in, in, the, in the World Cup town, but him and Bale were uh, you know, the match fit. Yeah. Yeah. That's what struck me. They've yeah. maybe kept themselves yeah. generally really fit, but they both only yeah. had two I games. Think, I think for me, and, and you know, probably back me up on this, is I was sitting thinking watching Wales Scotland crew done a much better oh, job. Tell and, me about but that. we've been there in the past and we've not done it, you and no. I think Scotland. Uh, they didn't have a bail. They've never never had a bail in their team, a real world-class player. But overall, Scotland have improved their lot greatly yeah. under Steve Clark. And, and you now have a team that's really solid and, mm-hmm. and can pass the ball mm-hmm. well and and be aggressive and, and, and you know, and, and hunt teams down in packs. And I thought I was thinking we could have done ourselves, you know, you know, much better than we could have done much better than Wales if we'd been there. But that's all I've seen. But I'm uh, going to say, you know, but it's such a source of frustration. I sat and wa- I've sat and watched every game in that in that group, thinking what Scotland could have done. Scotland didn't turn up for one week. One week in the qualifying right. game, they didn't turn up. Didn't turn up in the in the game against Ukraine and then the game against Republic Ireland. But the games before that and the games after that, we saw yeah. how well they saw how well they won the Nations League group. They saw out those those final three games superbly well. If we turned up for that week in the summer. We would have been at the World Cup and I genuinely mm. think we would have done better. Because you know what? I, do, I think a lot, and, and it's again, it's total, been there, totally understandable in the euphoria for Wales. But they were fortunate against Ukraine. Mm-hmm. On another day, they well, would have lost that well, game. Hennessy has a stormer as well. Yeah, say, yeah and uh, well, well done to them. But um, there, there were warning signs there for Wales. But moving swiftly on, because we've got to let the fan, United fans know the boys are back in training and you can go to a game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they've got the Swansea. Got, they've got a couple of games. Where is boy? I bet, yeah, I bet you a few folk turned up <laughs> just to go. <laughs> See that? What, what that, that song? We're still here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's Welsh for no? Because you need to insert that in your song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they've got they've got a couple of friendlies, uh, home friendlies back to back two weekends, don't they? They've got Air United. Air, yeah, yeah, we want to give them a, well. United yeah. can do the business, give Air a good kick in. Yeah. yeah. But I mean I think I think a lot of people and I did see some criticism from Dundee United fans when they initially heard that the players were gonna take an initial break um before going back to training. But it's a very, very weird situation and I don't believe it was an entire break. The players had been sent away with a programme to work on at home. And yeah. I, I I actually believe it or not, I, I probably was just walking about, but I was actually in in the gym, a gym not far from here. Believe it or not, I was walking about and I did see one <laughs> of the Dundee United players who had come in and was actually um 
during that two week break was actually uh, going through quite a quite a difficult session, I would say, um, and trying trying to maybe keep himself in shape. So I think there's a misunderstanding. How do you handle the, these breaks? How do you what do you do? Because you can't flog players. No. They're athletes. You can't flog them. They no. can't Give work. Give them a break. No, but they can't. But people complain when they have a day off during the week as well. And it's like they cannot physically train seven days seven days a week, or they will be knackered by the time they play the football on a Saturday. It just it's just the way it yeah. is. You know, it's. Uh, I people. I would. One of the first things that opened my eyes at football. Monday, Tuesday training sessions. They get hammered. Thursday, Friday, in terms of hours, I was like, I work harder than this, boys. <laughs> it's, you, but, it's tapering, though, But you it? soon learned it's because you cannot, mm-hmm. you cannot put in the physical energy that people, ordinary punters, think you should and then play a game the next day. Yeah, I'm you, no, you can't. I'm no athletic uh, expert, as you can probably tell when you look at me. Um, however, and Bear will probably back me up in this. If you look at a marathon You're runner... You're not for, a physical... No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm good at reading, good at watching it and stuff like that. But um, if you watch... If you if you look at marathon runners, when they do their training and build up to a marathon, they'll, they'll load it all up at the early part of their, yeah. their training yeah. camp and then they'll taper off and they'll run hardly any miles in the build-up in the, in the two weeks that they lead to the marathon. So it's that kind I've of I've been a marathon runner in the final week of their training all my life then. Here's, here's one that's an interesting one. It's... it's, it's <laughs> as someone uh, just came up this week about heading the ball the day before and the day after the game. Now, the day yeah. after the game isn't a problem because most players are just in for either, either a check on their physical condition and, or a gentle warm down sort of thing. The day before the game, I used to always think that, I mean, well, we know for a fact that most clubs finished on a Friday, but they're sort of finishing their set plays, finishing, yeah. crossing into the box, you know, it worked on that. On on the Friday, it was, it was an easier session, but that's basically what I was on, getting Aye. down the line, crosses in the box, and getting a couple of strikers in, so they're not going to be able to header the ball. Oh, well, if you're anyway. a striker, to you're thinking, well, yeah. if I do a bit of heading practice on a Friday, it's not yeah. going to tire me out. No, you might regret it later in life. It appears. Yeah, yeah. I wonder about that. Is it, it, would the thing? I, I know I would never want to see heading banned from football mm-hmm. at adult level. It's maybe a clever way to do it would be to ban it. Right up until senior level, mm-hmm. I mean age-wise, until you're 18, 20 or whatever. And then in, over time, a natural progression from that is people keep the ball on the deck anyway. So even in the adult game, if you like, there isn't as much heading. Although they do say that we're focusing on all these guys that scored, you know, 120 goals and 90 of them over their head. But it's drills that seem to do the damage because you're doing it 50, 60 mm-hmm. times. In a game, you might head the ball four or five times. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, it is training think, that's the problem. I think in days gone by, I might I might be wrong, but I'm sure one of the, when Andy Gray was at Tarnadice, Jim McLean used to, used to have the wee gym at Tarnadice yeah. under the main stand. That's obviously all gone now. But there was a, a small gym and there used to be a ball tied to the rafters. Uh-huh. That was a common thing, eh? And it was set up and it was for basically strikers going up centre halves and centre forward the ball, would, the ball would stay in the same you know, they would header it but mm-hmm. would, I would just rock back and forward and then they'd, they'd just continually go up and just, just to get power in, and you know and, and they would do that that's going back to the 70s I've got to say it's a yeah. bygone era but that's the sort of things that went on in those days and thankfully we've moved on from it and I think I, you know we're moving in the right direction yeah. but it's, it's finding a balance Tom how, how, do we, how do we sort of make sure that they're not heathering it they're not heathering it too much 
but I've, I've still got to keep their hanging and make sure got to be able to do if it. that ball comes in the box on a Saturday and there's 10 minutes to go and uh, you're in the six yard box go on, don't go try on. and overhead kick stick it in with your head you know? going forward for the best reasons we might be see, seeing some spectacular headed own goals <laughs> in the future because boys just don't know what side of the head to hit it with but anyway after this trophies Trophies indeed, boys. Dundee have got their first two in the bag. I was wondering what you were talking about there. Was Gary Boyer, Paul McMullen, manager and player of the month. Well deserved, I've got Definitely. to say. Well deserved. They've had a really, really good November. Um, I think it's eight without defeat, four wins on the spin. Um, and they've not been brilliant in every game, but they have shown signs now that they've got a bit of a consistent streak about them. Let's, let's hope that these trophies aren't the jinx that they're so often... <laughs> tend to be because they're going into a real crunch month yeah um, Inverness, now, on Inver Saturday. Inverness on Saturday which hasn't been a happy hunting ground for them in the past and then at the end of the month well but just before Christmas they're down in the, the play area United so a couple of big games coming up um, they're, they're going up to Inverness on, on Saturday they've got to try and redress the fact that Inverness beat them at Dens Inverness came down to Dens and won 3-2 on a day. I think the, the guy, is it Cami Harper, who plays fullback, scored a couple of fantastic goals, I've got to say. Um, but Inverness have, have hit the buffers a wee bit because basically they've not got a huge squad. And they've had some... Cup had, last week, yeah. was it East Fife that were playing? It was, a, it was a real thriller. There was there was goals all over the place they've, for a while. They've had some real, real injury problems as well. So you put those two together, they're really struggling to try to get all their players back that were out on loan at Highland League clubs back and then, and then all these guys are just kids just learning the way but because they were so short they're trying to get them back and, and the, the SFA wouldn't wear it so they're trying to get I noticed they've signed somebody so, and it has to be a player that's out of contract you know yeah. just a guy so how fit is this lad yeah, going to be? Again it's a big match, match fitness, fitness isn't it? So hopefully it is a good time for Dundee, Dundee to, to go up there and you know we saw the, going back to Saturday's game the 6-2 victory over Airdrie in the cup and you know, Dundee, over the piece, Dundee were by far the better side, which you would expect them to be. And when they got themselves back in front at 2-1, they had a sort of 10, 15-minute period where they could have put the game to bed quite comfortably. Um, they didn't do that. And then they lose a bad second goal. And I, I've been, Ryan Sweeney was terrific for Dundee last season. But there has been the finger, he has had the finger pointed at him a couple of times this season time. He's not quite, I don't know what it is. I thought he was about to say the finger yeah. raised. It's yeah. a family show. Right, he gets caught on Saturday, the second goal, he goes for the ball, he misjudges it, he headers it backwards um, from, a, from a punt up the park. And then he makes he makes a, this, a, a poor, poor decision. I mean, the ball goes behind him, obviously. Lee Ashcroft has got the, the Airdrie striker pinned where he wants him. But Sweeney goes to try and help Ashcroft. Sweeney doesn't have to help Ashcroft. The guy's facing the south enclosure. Sweeney goes, and, and as soon as Sweeney goes to him, the guy knows if I can spin Ashcroft here, there's a spare man because Sweeney's left his man to run through on goal, and that's what he did. And, he, and the guy's away. The boy did a nice wee turn, but he's taking the two centre halves out of place straight away. There's an overload. The boy squares it. It's in the goal. Two's up. And there's 20 minutes to go. And from a game at Dundee, should have put to bed. You know, it could have went either way. I've got yeah. to say, Dundee lost their way at that point in time. Gary Boyer has, has, has won, brought on a couple of substitutes. He took Sean Byrne off. I don't think Sean Byrne was too happy with that. Joe Grayson came on. Sean Byrne sprinted off the park just to make sure that everybody knew he was not he was carrying fit. an injury. Um, and Dundee lost their way. And Airdrie had a, a free kick two minutes from the end of normal time. Um, 
and it's right in the middle of the box. And you think, this they could score here, and it'll be game over. Dundee will be out of the cup. But fortunately, it didn't happen. It goes to extra time, and I know they went down to ten men, but Dundee were able to make a lot of substitutions, and you know, what we've been saying, they've got yeah, the squad, haven't they? Squad, and they came on, and then once they got the third goal. You know, this the steam went out of Airdrie and six two was really harsh on Airdrie, I've got to say. I mean Dundee did well, the subbies that came on the pass the ball well, and Airdrie had a man sent off. But it was a hard scoreline because they'd given their all their a part-time team, you know, and they got a good evasion from their fans who came through in decent numbers, I've got to say, for a cup. But again, what I'm trying to get to with that and and Inverness thing, it's the size of the Dundee squad. Yeah. Dundee were able to make seven substitutions. Mm-hmm. They didn't put Silly yeah. and Sheridan on that pitch, you know, so he was still on the bench. They didn't have on the bench, they didn't have Jordan Marshall, who is injured, they didn't have Zach Robinson, who is injured, they didn't have Paul McGowan. They've got a, a huge, huge squad uh, of players there. And that's as I say, that's gonna be the that's gonna be their trump card going forward, the size of that squad. And you just I think it's too big, you to be perfectly honest. I think he, that's what he's he's obviously been told to get players in, you're gonna to have to get players out now. It's how he how he moves players on is, is the difficult thing. What I would say is Looking at Finn Robertson, who came on and, and looked very good again when he came on, looking at Lyle Cameron, Josh Mulligan, we know all these players are out of contract in the summer. I'd be desperately keen to keep them term. We've worked yeah. hard on their development at Dens. I'd be desperate. I mean, obviously, they might get offers from other clubs, but if I was Dundee, I'd be at least trying to keep them for another year or so because they could be the foundation of something really good going forward because they're three really good players. Um, still got a bit, of, a bit of development to do, but the fact that they've come through the academy as such, and, and, and you know, you're know you now seeing the, the benefits of that in the first team. Um, yeah, things are looking good for Dundee. I just hope those awards don't don't scupper it a wee bit. I, I, I was reading in my evening telegraph on sale at a very good news agent, supermarket and in the street. That was a plug. You know. <laughs> and the courier as well. Uh, oh, no, this is evening telegraph uh, podcast. I don't, I don't recognise the name of that sister paper of ours. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's in the courier too. But I, I saw Gary Boyer praise Finn Robertson, which was uh, nice to see. And, uh, but interestingly, and understandably, throw down the wee challenge to him, say he's out of contract at the uh, end of the season, so he's got to prove he's he's keeping this going and he's returning to his early promise. But the one thing that occurred to me, if there's a player you would give longer to prove he's worth than your average player, it would be Finn Robertson. Because I remember when James McPake talked him up, brought him in as a, I think he was 16-year-old. I looked at him right away and I thought, technically he is, mm-hmm. he's one of the best young players I've ever seen at, at Dundee. Uh, and that in itself, he's, he's, he's a modern passing midfielder. Uh, and you would like to see him be given a chance to get back to back on track, if you like, wouldn't you? I think so. I mean, I think what he's, what Gary Boyer wants from Finn Robertson as a player who doesn't always take the easy pass, who doesn't take, he is very good, to, he'll keep the ball for fun, but where Dundee are in this league, Dundee need to be on the front foot, so it has to be that pass, it has to be the killer pass, it has to be the pass that's going to split the defence and get down the wings. And as he showed on, on Saturday, he can't take a goal. I know it was his first goal, but it was it was a terrific finish, a nice a nice. Pass past the ball on the net. He looks as though he's, he's fit, Tom, which I would say. Is, yeah. We've got to remember, he's a young lad, he's been developing, young lads pick up injuries. That's been, that, that stalled his development a bit, the injuries, he's been out on loan, but he's coming back in, he's been given an opportunity, but Gary Boyer does want to see him 
being more proactive in games. When he gets that ball, the first his first thought shouldn't be just to roll it to the side and, and let, let other players go on. His first thought should be let's have a wheel look what's on forward. And if he's got space, take the ball forward, drag Dundee ten yards further up the park. But technical ability, yeah, there's no no doubt I was, about it. I was going to say this maybe sounds like another one of my loony theories, Ewan, but Finn Robertson technically the first time I saw him, I, he, he reminded me different level of of ability, particularly at that age. He reminded me of the sort of Iniesta's and the Javis. And if he, he's that type of midfielder, and funnily enough, if he was playing for a big club, mm-hmm. he might have got more first team mm-hmm. opportunities simply because take Man City, if you've got Foden, De Bruyne, Haaland, your manager saying, son, you just keep playing it simple. But in terms of ability, he's one of the better players at a smaller club, and you're you're saying, well, you've got the ability, you need to play the difficult passes because you've got that ability to try them, other boys don't. Mm-hmm. And and there's more when that type of player, when when they're the bigger, in his case, have more potential than the rest, then like managers like Gary Boyer have to say to them, son, you've got to do a bit more rather than just play it square. Mm-hmm. Whereas the better the better standard that are because every team has them mm-hmm. every mean right up to I mean France 98 had Deschamps the boy that's not at the World Cup Conte or Canati whatever his name is played the when he played for France in the last World Cup he was passing the ball to Mbappe mm-hmm. and Pogba mm-hmm. yeah yeah even that's... at Chelsea he plays plays more difficult passes because he's not got those two when they're in their pomp and it is a difficult thing for young players sometimes it's a, it's a good point you're making I mean even the, the, the current example is Spain you've got Gavi you've got Gavi and Pedri who are I think they're both still teenagers and, and they've got amassed a an incredible amount of caps for their country they're playing week in week out for Barcelona because they've got players around them who are on their wavelength straight away yeah. and because that, like you say they've got players around there that are so technically gifted that they can just focus on the simple things that they do really effectively Effectively, so yeah, so I mean, yeah. these lads can go. Oh, he's got a man on him, yeah. but I can yeah. still give him the ball, and he'll still there's still a good chance he'll do something with it. Whereas, the, the, when you these players with potential at lesser clubs don't have that, that luxury, if you like. So, the, you've maybe you've maybe you're maybe onto something in terms of what age does a player get that chance to become a regular first team player, and in some regards, at a top, top, top club like Barcelona. In some regards, it can be earlier than it can be at Dundee. Yeah, earlier which, than you would think. Yeah. yeah, whereas in the past, you would think, oh, well, to get into the, the Barcelona side at 17, that's incredible. How do you manage to do that? Um, you normally have to, but maybe it's the other way around. Maybe, maybe. I, I think it can be. It's not not always the case, but I think it can be. It's. Uh, I think it's, it's going to boil down. Does Gary Boyer trust him to start? I mean, there's a big game yeah. coming up on Saturday. He did well again coming off the bench. But I've got a sneaky feeling that you'll, you'll, you'll still be on the bench on, on Saturday because I've got, I, I think they'll play either Burn or Grayson just in front of the back four. Um, ben Williamson has done well. Uh, ben Williamson, yeah. for me, you'll know a bit more about mm-hmm. Ben, obviously, mm-hmm. at Arbroath. Ewan, um, mm-hmm. he looked to me, he would do bits and pieces in games that looked nice, but then we'd, we'd fall out with games and we'd do bad things on the ball, trying to do a wee bit too much. But now he's, he seems to have, you know, he, he realises that the most important thing for Dundee isn't Ben Williamson. The most important thing for Dundee is winning the actual football match. You know, getting yeah. out there, 
making a telling contribution, not not doing sort of too much on the ball and then moves breaking down because you're overcooking it a wee bit and he's been much, much better in the last few games. And I think I've, I've seen George has done a couple of interviews with him and, you know, it, it sounds like he's, he's sort of, he's of that mind as well. Like, you know, he, he wants to do well, obviously he wants to do well because there's a new manager at Rangers, he wants to do well when he goes back there, but his focus is totally on, you know, winning the game for Dundee Football Club and I, I think that's good, but... It's the toughest part of the team for Dundee Tam. They've got about six or seven really good yeah. midfielders in there and the manager simply can't play them all. And that's a fact. So it's going to be tough for, for guys like Finn Roberts and for Leo Carmen, who who's just come on and done well. I think Josh Mulligan, who, you know, we all know what Josh Mulligan can do. It's going off the boil a wee bit. I'm not, I'm not too sure why that is. Um, but he's not been as effective in the last sort of half a dozen games as he was pre prior to that. Um, but that'll come, that will come yeah. again. But... Uh, when you're up at Inverness, it's a tough place, and I think Gary Boyer will go for. He, he needs he needs guys in that team that are physically strong because you've God, got so to go and win that thing, battle up there. Yeah, you're maybe hampered at times by the league you're in, mm -hmm. even though technically mm -hmm. you're much better than the yeah. majority of players in that you're league. Dead right, dead right. A Sean Byrne, a Paul McGowan, who've got ability, mm -hmm. but they're also streetwise because they're experienced yeah. pros, and they know at times in the Championship, especially. A wet autumn that, like we've had, certainly for between now and Christmas, you're playing on a lot of heavy pitches that are cutting up. It becomes a battle in the middle of the park, mm -hmm. doesn't it? It's a war of attrition. It's no about silky football very often. It's the thing that you're talking about, I'll go back to Ben Williamson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do know him very well for watching him at Abrofen. I don't know what he's been like at Dundee, but he's exactly the type of player that you're alluding to that I saw at Arbroath was somebody that will dig in, that will put a tackle in, that wasn't afraid to, to break up play. Um, that's what I thought was amazing for him. He was 19 years old, and so many 19 years old are very technically gifted, can play a nice pass, but they're not. They're scared to, to, to put a foot in, and he's never been scared to do that. So I would think he would be the sort of player, if he is playing that sort of style for Dundee, who would be ideal at this stage of the season. Um and he's got a great attitude, a fantastic attitude. He's he's such a very a very humble person when you speak to him. Um, a great attitude to football. Dick Campbell absolutely loved him because um, he always talk, talks about the story about when he first turned up for training. He'd come from Rangers and he says, and he was all over the place. One sock was 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 uh, pulled right up to his knee. The other sock was dangling down. Um, his hair was a mess and everything he said. And I loved it. He said he just got out there and just got on with it. He said there was no airs or graces about him at all. And I think that that's probably what Dundee needs. I've always said this thing about players pulling their socks up over <laughs> their knees. I hate Probably more so with defenders, because you like blood and thunder. I hate seeing a defender slide in with a crunching tackle, and the first thing he does is get up, he sorts his socks. <laughs> get yeah. back in position and go, ah. Yeah, he actually, uh, I, I wrote the story last year, he actually wrote a, um, a, a thank you letter to Dick Cameron to our bro. For, uh, it was a handwritten letter that he posted into the club uh, to thank them for all their help in, in his career. And and I think Dick Campbell Something was... Something he didn't need to do. Yeah. No, I think Dick Campbell was really touched by that because I think, well, I think we all are. I mean, I think it, it's, a, it's a dying art to get a handwritten letter for a, for a start. But the fact that he, he went to that effort to, to thank them, it says a lot about him as a person. It probably says a lot about how he felt he was treated at Abroth. I think since he left Abroth, I really expected him to kick on and he has played quite regularly for the Scotland under 21 side. He probably would be 20, 20 mm -hmm. 21 probably now. Probably says a lot yeah. about his mum. Yeah, no, but I mean... <laughs> his mum said, well, you write a letter and thank <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think he's got, he comes from, obviously comes from a very good family. I think yeah. he's grown up in Dunfermline. He comes from a good family, but he... 
good family in Dunfermline shop. <laughs> that was a joke, <laughs> Fife. Yeah, most people yeah. go with that one. Yeah, um, I, yeah. but I know, I, I think it says a lot about that, but maybe the clubs that he's moved to since then, because I think he was at Livingston, he's been at Rafe Rovers, and maybe just didn't click. I mean, at Livingston, I know he was hampered by COVID. I know he had a problem with that, and he had he had other issues, and he, and he was mm. in and out. He got he got a, a red card, so he was suspended. It just it just didn't click for him at Livingston. Um, Rafe Rovers, I'm not sure, but Dundee, for me, would be his club. It would yeah. be his club. They need, they need players that are going to have that dig, that fight, because it's a battle. They're going to have to fight their way to get out of the championship. Um, they probably got a very good chance to get into the championship if they can click into here. The, the good thing need them. For, for Ben Williamson is he's at a club where they are expected to win every week in that mm-hmm. in that division. Now where Ben Williamson, his club is Rangers. They Mentality. are expected. It's a mental thing, you know. And but he is doing more for the team now rather than for Ben Williamson. And, and like you say, he's got some. He's got terrific ability. There, there's no doubt about that. But there has to be an end product. There mm-hmm. can't be a step over and then another step over and then mm-hmm. another. Step, and there's no crossing the box or there's no killing pass. He's doing things nice and quickly now, and it's a really strong area of the team for Dundee. And it must be really, really difficult. <laughs> just you know, how do you get yourself into that team? Because just like you alluded to, Tom. They've got a lot of good, technically good young players, but they need to have people that are streetwise. When you go up to places like Inverness on Saturday, you know, it is going to be this time of year. The park, the park will be in good nick as long as we don't get too much in between now and then. But it will be on the it will be on the heavy side. Contrary, contrary to popular belief from us Lowlanders, the problem that Inverness have tends to be water. Mm-hmm. It's, you go to Inverness; it's very rarely icy and snowy. And Inverness itself goes right down on yeah, the water, right and the pitch is literally across the road yeah, from the water. But it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take much for that no. pitch to to flood. Yeah, they're going to they're going to a team of battlers. I think he, Gary Boyer said this week in the press. Obviously, Ian Lawler is is because of concussion protocol mm-hmm. um, is out, but because Dundee's squad is so strong that you're not sort of going. Oh, you know, I, I think it'll be Adam Legs. Touched, on, gets, well, touched yeah. on this last week. He's yeah. got a decision to yeah. make when his goalkeeper's yeah. out. Not many championship clubs have that. I know, no, exactly. I, I think some of them still phone you, Bear. Yeah, the, well, the, the fact that the fact that Legs they'll just brush that one, just brush right across that one. Yeah. The fact that Legs then came on, I would suggest that he will start. But we know what Adam Legs can do. He's played up yeah. multiple games for Dundee. I think up top, rather worryingly, suggested that Zach Robinson could could still be out because of a hamstring problem. I'm just wondering. Is Gary Boyer playing the Jim McLean card here where he, his best striker? For years and years, Jim McLean would say time and time again about Paul Sturrock. Yeah, Paul Sturrock won't be playing on Saturday because he's unfit. You know, he'd taken a kick in last week. Paul Sturrock did take a kick yeah. in most weeks, to be fair. And if it was a derby match, though, this is brilliant. Paul Sturrock's not going to be playing uh, and the team would run it. And who was uh, here? <laughs> Paul Sturrock. <laughs> You know, they so used to put they used to put him in front of the captain because it, Luggy was so fast that he was like the rest jogged. Dude. Luggy jogged and he's like twenty yards ahead yeah. of everyone else, and you could see the Dundee defence go. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, again, I'm just wondering if Zach Robinson is really not for us or Gary Boyers. But if it's a hamstring, there's a good chance you, you certainly you certainly don't want to lose him for you know five or six weeks because you no. put him back too soon. That's for sure. And to be to be fair, Derek Ossiai came on at the weekend. Now I look at Derek Ossiai and. I think this lad is never a player, but he's got another couple of goals done. He's got another couple. His touch looks pretty poor. I've got to say when I see his link-up play looks pretty poor. But that's three goals he's got. So is he one of these guys who he just gets in the box and gets in the right areas? And has he done these Muller? I always still look at him and think you're just no footballer. But 
just does things. He scores, yeah. he gets players around him, sets up yeah. goals. Maybe you can you can overlook a lot of things uh-huh. if a guy scores well, goals. He scored, he, and he's scored a few important yeah. goals yeah. in his so, brief time already. So it'll be interesting. Zach Rodden did well again on, at the weekend. He scored a good goal, but it was a, a sublime finish because the keeper came out of the box and made a hash of the clearance. But Zach Rodden didn't even, as a guy who knows where the goal is, didn't even look up. There was a guy running back to the line and he's managed to put it in from about 20-odd yards over the top of him and under the crossbar. It's, it's no easy feat. So, yeah, he's coming on coming on as well. But Robinson is, is in, in terms of sort of the hold-up play, he's the main man for Dundee. So it would be a loss for them if they were to go up there without him. But when you look at the problems Inverness have got, then surely Dundee can, can overcome that problem. I just can't get over how positive, enthusiastic, upbeat you are now, Bear, about Dundee. <laughs> it's like I've been away for years or something. When I left you, we were well, so we're down, s- we're down depressed and everything. And now you've come back, it's like you're a new man. Yeah. What have Dundee a, done to you this we're season? We're still suspicious of you. We think you're a United spy, so we're putting on this facade, but every other week we've been going, oh no. I, I think it's a fact that... <laughs> Dundee won who won a lot I think, I, I think you'll have found out in that time we've actually dropped the division, so... <laughs> the I emphasis know. suddenly changes, you know, and, and what you expect. That's the bear we know. We're still in the doldrums, really. It's just, it's just I, I, bad. I, I would have been nice in the Premier League to say we've gone eight games unbeaten, but uh, I couldn't see that happening. But they're moving in the right direction. I think, as we spoke about time after time at the start of the season, they were getting the results were up, they were down, you know, and uh, the, it was down to the sort of selection policy, the manager, he was changing the team week after week after week, and it's because he's got such a huge squad, but I think he's now whittling it down to, to you know, you know, a, a, a team he, he, he trusts every week to go and do a job on the park, and, you know, it's up to others from that. He trusts the players that are on the bench, but it's up to others to force their way into that team. It's a great position for him to be in the squad. The squad is huge. I think he would like to bring additions in the transfer window, but that is going to mean players moving out, and that could be a bigger problem for them. Am I misreading it? But Dundee fans, just from from a father, I look, they seem to be fairly patient this season. You know, I, I thought they'd be more impatient because I thought the expectation would have been, oh, we'll go at the top and we'll we'll be six points clear or something like that. And obviously, it's been up and down as you said, but they seem to be they seem to be willing to go through the course of the season. Yeah. Obviously, the end goal is they want to win the title and they'll expect to win the title, but it's not like they're demanding now. No. Let's. I think there is there is there is a bit of frustration that they're not at the top, but I think you've got to remember it was only two years ago they were actually in the championship as well under James McPeak doing exactly the same thing mm-hmm. mid table for a long time. I remember them going down to Air United and losing two nothing around about this time of the year, and uh, we spoke about it on the podcast. Then James McPeak's there was calls for his head umpteen times at Danes. But the time to run to perfection in terms of, I mean, obviously they didn't get promoted because it was a Hearts. It was a Hearts that won the league that year. I think the Hearts yeah. run away with mm-hmm. it, you yeah. know. So it was, it was always going to be a playoff thing. But Dundee got their act together at exactly the right time, you know, and, and then got their defence sorted out and went through the last dozen games or so and only lost about one game, two games, a dozen games and got themselves back up to the Premier League. I think looking at it differently this time, I, I think most fans will expect if Dundee keep keep the consistent level they're at, they are going to lose games. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I think a lot will depend on what the other teams do as well. I, I do I do worry about Air United only because of Deepak and Yemi. I think they've got to start the star man in that division. Mm-hmm. But can they keep him fit? Can he play every week? Can they can win? they keep him? Can they keep him? That's that that is exactly th- through through another thing as well. You know so. Um, I, I think over the course of the next sort of two months, I'd like to think that by the time we get to February, Dundee have, have got themselves to the top and it's now just pointing the team in the right direction. But I think 
there is fr frustration, but there's no anxiety. I think mm -hmm. that's what we're getting at here. The mm -hmm. frustration, we're mm -hmm. not at the top, but they're seeing what the manager's trying to do and they are seeing good things. And you're winning games. You know, seeing the Premier League time, and you, for Dundee, especially at Dens, when you're coming out with Dens on a Saturday night and you have the one and, you know, every... Now you're seeing people coming out with a smile on their face. Yeah. That's, what, that's what football's all about at the yeah. end of the day. Coming out, especially at home, coming out to the ground with a smile on your face and going to your, going home for your tea or, or going to the pub is, is what you want to do. Like, mm -hmm. but at least you're smiling, you know. It's almost like I'm you... smiling now, but I've never once heard Bear talking about going home for his tea after the game. <laughs> aye, aye. He goes for chips about half nine yeah, sometimes. Yeah, there's no like a good kebab shop. Just <laughs> they're still open. Anyway, we've, we've talked forever today and it, uh, it was an empty agenda when we started and we've still got Ewan's plug to come because that's the only reason he's back. Ewan, you are back and you're working in your beloved Angus. Oh, beautiful. That's this. Best best place in the world, doesn't it, Angus? I absolutely love it. You know that. Next to Dundee. I, I, I will say this before I start. The one thing I... I that I take great credit for is that Bear was the first person in this podcast today to mention our brof. I did notice <laughs> that five minutes in or so that he mentioned the word our brof. You got it in before you. Yeah. yeah I've but, been disappointed. I thought after all this time away, it would just be start, start, start from you today, but there's hardly been one. Oh, no, I've forgotten my stats. I've, I'm a changed man. Uh, no, but I, I think I'm not actually here to talk about a brof. I think, um, I think what I'm interested in is talking a little bit about breaking, actually, because I think that for, I mean, we've probably had this in, podcast gone by they were they were on a real downward spiral from 2017 uh, when they got in the championship uh, they, they got an unwanted record of not winning a single league game in a, an entire championship season um they then and it did really affect them didn't right, it? i'm gonna give you a start now because i've just remembered a start right um from that from the time they they gained promotion up to the championship um they only won 15 games in 123 games so that's that's that and they spiraled their way down. Obviously, I went to the pyramid playoff final, they lost to to Kelty Hearts, they went out of the league. And genuinely I really, really feared that day for the future of Beacon well, City. Look at others that have dropped out of the league. The end is not dropping out of the league. For a few others, that's been the definitive beginning of the end because yeah. they're nowhere now, even in the Lowland yeah. League or the Highland League. Yeah, it's like, it's like I felt they were going into the abyss and then I was looking at the travel. I did a feature when they went out about the distances they were going to have to travel and from Breakin to Wick is a 480 mile round trip. Um, I had to mention stats, didn't I? You can, He's gone. <laughs> you can, here all day. But you can only imagine what that does. But what they've done um, is they have reinvented themselves. Um, they've gone out, they've started with a blank canvas. Kevin, Kevin Mackey's come in, taken over as chairman. He's a very positive, optimistic person and he cares deeply about Breakin as a place and as a club. And he's made it his goal to, t to transform it and turn it on its head. He's not thinking, oh, oh, we'll just try and cut our cloth to suit. He's thinking, right, let's go out and let's grow this. Let's get more investment. I think their crowds are certainly up on what they've been. The The community buy-in um, is, is much greater than it has been for probably the last eight, nine, ten years. Um, the local businesses are all buying into it. Um, they've, they've appointed a new commercial director, Keith Haggart, who was at Dundee United, uh, to grow that even further. They're thinking 
very ambitiously. They, they travel up to to these games. They, they hire a bus, which actually I believe Celtic and Rangers used to go to away games. Um, so they, they're, they're doing things in a way where let's think out of the box, let's be ambitious, let's be bold. They've got Craig Levine in there. As I pointed out, I did a story earlier this week. Craig Levine has been working for 18 months and he's not taken a single penny from no. Brecon City. Um, that's doubt owing to the fact that he's he's got a fantastic friendship with Kevin Mackey. Um, and, and Craig Levine has always been one of these people where you've obviously dealt with him for years ago, gone by when he was Dundee United manager up here. Um, he is somebody who has never forgotten his roots. He might have been Scotland manager, he might have been Dundee United manager, he might have been Hearts manager, Leicester manager, but he started his managerial career at Cowden Beef and he understands right. that that's where football starts and he has done wonders for the club. This guy with a great ability to find players for the level of the club he's either working at or in this case, doing a favour for. Mm -hmm. uh, I always thought that. Because some managers do, especially going from Cowdenbeath to Hearts, what Craig did seamlessly back then was he shop, he immediately shopped in the right market. And now he's going the other way. And he's, no, he's not been going and going, oh, well, you could sign this boy for this and that. And that. Mm -hmm. he's, 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 he's helped them get the right kind of player, hasn't he? Yeah, I think Brecon have learned from last season. I mean, they came, they, they missed out on winning the title last season, but they came very close. They went on a good run towards the end of the season. I think they won the last 14 games of last season. So they went on that run. They're now 30 games unbeaten in 90 minutes. Now, I'm saying 90 minutes because they've had a couple of cup ties that have gone to penalty kicks in that time. Um, I think Inverness been one of them and they've lost that in penalties, but, but they have not lost a, a single game in 90 minutes uh, for 30 games, which is terrific. They're um, joint top of the league with Bucky Fissle on 40 points. They've got, uh, I'm throwing all the stats in here now. Um, they've got two games in hand on that. Um, they've got a huge game against Bucky Fissle on December the 17th. Um, and looking at the way the Highland League went last season, these are pivotal games. It's a bit like the, the top end of the Scottish Premiership. The old firm games are often the, the games that decide who wins the title that season. I think that's what will happen in the Highland League, but they're heading and definitely heading in the right direction. They found their way, um, but they're also building for the future. I mean, Kevin was talking about they're, they're not just signing players and thinking, well, we'll sign them for 12 months and then, and then we'll refresh next season. They're trying to sign players on longer contracts than that because they want to have sustainability. Um, and growth and it would be terrific if they got up albeit it's very very difficult to come up through the pyramid playoffs because they then win the Highland League and then they've still got that playoff mm. against the Lowland League yeah. side, and the money's definitely down in the Lowland League as we've seen yeah that, that, that's that's quite harsh when you consider that you, you drop you drop out and you go you go into the Highland you've still got that playoff to, to take on board but the, the fact that they're on that sort of run is, is quite amazing I'd like to point out of the top striker in the Highland League and Grady McGrath, a former yep. Dundee FC mm -hmm. player, I've got to say, keep an eye out for him. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see Breaking back and, and I've got a lot of time for Breaking City to play a couple of times. Reserve football for him going back. Great club, younger, always younger years. Nice, nice people. I enjoy a, a, a good park. I enjoy going to Glee Park. Yeah. There's something, yeah. something quirky about the hedge. The surface was always beautiful when I, when I played mm -hmm. up there. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see them back in again, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Hedge has actually got a sponsorship. Yeah. Sponsored by Colbrew, a three-year sponsor. Who, who would have known a, a Hedge could get a three-year sponsorship deal? But um, that's that's just symptomatic of maybe the work Packing that Keith Haggard's doing. Packing to go doing. watch a game, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's unique. It's it's fantastic. It's very friendly. But genuinely, right, I'm not just saying this because I'm covering the Angus beat, but genuinely, all four clubs in Angus are mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. You feel welcomed. You've, we've all covered games at, at Far Firm and Troas or Broth Breakin'. They, you always feel welcome yeah. when you go to these grounds. I've got to say as well, you talked about Craig Levine. I mean, that, 
I was still doing the grounds when Craig, Craig was at Tandice and I thought he was brilliant. He used to, one thing about Craig Levine, he would always either answer his phone or get back to you with a call in the morning, which is, you know, for a journalist mm -hmm. was, you know, it was, was absolutely brilliant. Craig was the, was the one manager after a wee while, I never phoned him twice. Yeah. Because if he didn't answer, he phoned you back. Yeah. I mean, other guys were very helpful, but mm -hmm. you had to keep phoning them until you yeah, got them. But got... I, I used to phone Craig once, and if he didn't answer straight away, he would have a good reason. And if he didn't call back, it was for a Sometimes very good reason. Sometimes when, when he was coming through Fife in the morning, you would lose the signal, so he'd be on and... and... He'd be gone because he'd go through the dip or something like that, but he always got back. Ah, and it, sometimes he, I he was good. He made, he, he made his point if he wasn't happy with something, he oh, let, yeah. he'd let you know about it. Oh, that, yeah. That's for sure. There's no yeah. doubt oh, about yeah. that. Oh, yeah. He was very, very forthright and direct. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I remember phoning him when he's day off one day and he answered the phone right away. And a couple of minutes in the phone coming, oh, and I went, what's wrong? And he said, I fell off my bike. <laughs> And I said, why did you answer the phone? <laughs> he said, well, because it ran. <laughs> I was like, don't, don't endanger yourself. You could yeah. have pulled over. And yeah. You, yeah, you talk about him not taking a penny out of Breaking City. And yeah. He's obviously got a very good relationship with, with uh, Kevin Kim. Mackey up there. But he also, it must be the case that he's actually enjoying what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah he, must be, he must be loving that, just to keep to keep doing that all the time. And it's, it, as Tom said, for a guy who was Scotland manager, to, to still be involved at yeah, that level. Yeah, could easily have said, I've had enough of this. Yeah, I'm putting that much, that, that much in is fantastic. I mean, he's, I mean he's, he's, there's no doubts that since he's been out of that sort of the day-to-day -day running of football for, for a few years, that he'll have had offers, he'll have had opportunities, oh, yeah. he'll, have had, he'll have had, but but the only one that appealed to him, funnily enough, was when Kevin Mackey spoke to him about going to Breakin. And I think it was a real surprise to many people when he got that, that post and he took it on. But... Look at it. I mean, it's it's not just taking on for a couple of months and said, oh, well, I'm bored of that now. He's 18 months. He's been going to training twice a week. He goes to the games up in the Highland League. He's obviously is still heavily involved in the media. He also he's, goes to a lot of the junior games as well, you know, in, in the mm -hmm. city. Yeah. And he's having a look at a lot of the players. As Tom said, he knows the market. They're breaking it in. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of clubs in the Highland League have got a fair bit of cash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so but he knows the market that they are in. They've got to get the best in the, in the area, and that's you know that's 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 what they've been. That's what they've got. They've got Grady McGrath yeah. from East Craigie. Yeah, and you've got to point. I, I believe he scored something like 72, 73 goals yeah. last season. Another yeah. start. Yeah. I'm sorry. You you should have said stats. I'm full of them. I'm full of them. Rounding up very quickly, and because if we don't mention him, he'll moan. But he moans all the time anyway. Great to see. Ray McKinnon, we spoke to him earlier this week, you know, you know what capacity, me, me in a drinking capacity, I'm afraid. Sorry about the mess when I got home, dear. Um, he's a huge job at Forfar, but he, he's just full of the joys, just he's loving being back. Yeah, he's, he's another person that's really positive. I, I, I confess, I, I mean, Ray's been obviously around in football the amount of time I've been around in football and I've encountered him after games, but I didn't really know him. So I went, I actually went for lunch with him and did an interview with him. And he's so positive, so optimistic. And he's taken on a tough job. Far from the bottom of the League Two, let's be under no illusions here. They've got a real battle in their hands to stay in, in, in League Two. Um, but the belief that I got off of him when I walked away, I thought, yeah, this is going to work. And... Like my heart was off to him because he obviously had his health issues um, recently. Looking um, great now. He's looking fantastic. Thanks to Google. Yeah, yeah. he's out running all the time. He's Aye. out running with his friends and he he's talked about fit. that and he's got a real buzz about him being back on it. He's somebody, probably akin to what you were saying about Craig Levine earlier, 
he's, he's somebody when he pulls on that tracksuit jacket and he gets out in the training field, he comes alive. And I think that's probably the same for Craig Levine, you know. So you probably know Ray McKinnon better yeah, than I do, well, Bear. So well, I don't, I don't know him that well, but I have spoken to him a few times. I remember he was boss at Lock United. And I spoke to him then when they played Air United in the, in the Scottish Cup. Term and you know, there's just to be shocked there at Thompson Park that day. But um, now nah, it's great to see him back and. He will have a feeling for Forfar. He's a Dundonian, so he knows. He knows, as we spoke about the Angus clubs, he knows what it means to these these sort of areas. You know, to to, to keep himself in, and you know, you certainly don't want to see them slipping out. But it's, it's good to see him. He's got a smile on his face again, and it's a great appointment for Forfar. Great appointment. And just to explain the Google comment, I was saying to him how how well he looks, and he's he, he's feeling great. But he was saying when he had his heart attack earlier in the year. He felt unwell when he was out for a run. Did went home, didn't do anything about it. Went to bed, felt a bit dodgy through the night. It's an only Raymond can do. He googled the symptoms the next day and went, "Oh, <laughs> maybe you better go to hospital." <laughs> drove himself to hospital and said, "I think I've not been well." <laughs> but it, it, he's, he's such a bubbly character, Raymond. That he, he tell he laughs when he tells that story. Where. Uh, Quite understandably, many people would be very alarmed by a heart attack, but he was just like, well, I better go to the hospital then, eh? But as I say, he's looking great and he's he's relishing the challenge of Forfar. It's good, it's good to see that Forfar and Brecon, you know, things are looking upbeat for both, both clubs. Great stuff, lads. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetele.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.